The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Jesus went out and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly. Soon they had no depth of soil, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of a triune God of love, amen. We have a, a small yard in our, behind our apartment in Arlington. And at this point, about a third of it has been transformed into a truly impressive vegetable garden by my husband and children. We've been feasting this summer on salad greens, radishes, peas, beans, and herbs. We can see that the garlic and carrots and beets and squash will be ready to eat soon. And I just heard that the corn is ready and the squirrels have taken full advantage this morning. There's a lot in that garden. The wealth in the ground behind my house continues to amaze me. But I know it didn't just appear. I was a witness to the careful process of choosing, buying, sorting, counting, and making a plan for each seed. They were handled with care and placed in just the right spot, at just the right depth, into dirt that had been mixed with compost and organic potting soil. Some seeds were started indoors and took up prime real estate on the kitchen counter all spring. I would like to say that I was gracious about that fact, but I might not have been. Some seeds were sown directly into the ground after the last frost had come and gone. The garlic was planted in the fall and watched carefully from the early spring on when the little green shoots poked up 
through the snow. And then other seeds were planted in places that would not interfere with the garlic as it finished growing. The planting of our garden was done carefully, thoughtfully, and meticulously. So when I read this parable, I get a little bit annoyed with Jesus. He implies that he himself, Jesus Christ, is the sower of seeds, and that the seeds in his analogy are the word of God, bits of himself and all he himself has to offer in word and deed and love valuable stuff. And then he tells us that he throws those seeds every which way so that a good deal of them fall in places where they cannot thrive. So clearly, my husband and children are better seed sowers than Jesus Christ. Okay, so I know that in planting a large field, there is a method by which a seed sower tosses the seeds all over. But I think the aim is to have most of them end up in good soil, right? If you look at the cover of your bulletin today, you will see a seed sower figure, presumably Jesus, ready to hurl seeds to the far reaches of all over the place. If Red Sox pitcher Pedro Martinez became a farmer in retirement, this is how he might sow seeds. Look at him. Maybe not good pitching for him, but he's got some distance in mind. How careless this seed flinging seems to be to me. Maybe Jesus is being careless. He was, after all, having a pretty rough day. That morning, he had a tense confrontation with some religious authorities who then left him to presumably plot his demise. Then he left the house to go get some fresh air by the sea, only to be followed by such a crowd that he had to escape into a boat to have a bit of personal space. As the crowd on the beach leaned towards him, he knew he had to give them what they had come for, whether or not he was in the mood. So he began to teach. In this context, it would be understandable if Jesus was being a bit short-tempered about those who were not receiving him with open arms. He spoke of himself as a farmer, scattering seeds of wisdom, life lessons, mercy, justice, and love on the people around him. Some of those seeds were destroyed when they fell into inhospitable hearts. Maybe, as many Bible scholars claim, he was dividing the people he encountered into those who would receive him and those who would not. But there's another possibility Another layer of his multi-layered teachings. They're always multi-layered, I think. Maybe we all have all of these places in us. Places that are hospitable and places that are inhospitable to the word of God. With our own lives in mind, let's look again at Jesus' seed analogy. Some seeds fell on the path and birds came and ate them up. We all have busy pathways in our lives, and when something comes along, something important, and it lands in our frenetically busy lives but finds no place to sink into us, it can easily be overlooked, discarded, eaten up by the birds. The parable of the sower is one of the parables that Jesus actually explained, and his explanation of the seeds 
they get carried away by the bird is that the evil one snatches away what is sown into the heart. So often we discard phrases that contain the words, the evil one, either because looking at evil is too hard or because conversations about an evil one feel incompatible with our personal belief about spiritual truth. But if we can get past whatever challenges us about the idea of an evil one, if we can see evil as anything that keeps us from our true selves and anything that keeps us from the love of God, then the idea that evil is stealing something precious from our hearts, something that has been sown into our hearts by divine love, that idea is heartbreaking. It makes me want to look at the busy pathways in me and wonder how to slow down, focus, and transform those hard pathways into safe, protected, fertile soil. Other seeds fell on rocky ground. These seeds grew quickly, but without the space to sink roots, they were scorched by the sun and withered away. Where is the rocky ground in each of us? Where do we reach up and out with joy and enthusiasm, but forget to go deep? And thus the thing that grows withers too quickly, lacking sustainability. At least once a year, it seems, I find myself on retreat or at a conference, usually meant to bolster the lives of clergy, to inspire us and give us tools to enrich our own spiritual lives and the spiritual lives of our congregations. But to be honest, the seeds of those brief retreats fall more often than not on rocky ground. I get really excited about the things I hear and learn and discuss with my friends and colleagues, and then I go home and neglect to integrate what I've been inspired by into my life. And I am left with a lovely memory, but not much more. I did not go deep enough or develop a long-term practice around the experience I was inspired by, and thus there were no roots to anchor me against the hot sun and strong wind of daily life. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. I have a confession. Throughout my life when I have read this, I have imagined that the thorns in modern life represent the dangers of our world as I see them. Mainly crime, poverty, shootings, city violence, hunger, disease. I have imagined that it must be hard for the lessons that Jesus brought us to take root in places where survival is so difficult. It is almost as if I have spent my life blocking out the clear explanation Jesus gave us just a few verses later. The thorns, he tells us, represent worldly cares and the lure of wealth. Over and over again in the gospel, Jesus spells out the dangers of wealth and comfort. The thorns are not a third world or inner city problem, nearly as much as they are a suburban and first world problem, a very real one. So where in your life is money, either comfort in it or anxiety about it, distracting you from the word? 
from whatever Jesus shared with us then and whatever God is trying to share with us right now. I imagine we all have thorns that need to be cleared out of our lives, thorns that distract us from what is real and good and true. Other seeds, thank God, fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. The good news, finally, is that we all have good, fertile soil in us. We are not just a bundle of busyness, distraction, greed, and shallow efforts. Jesus tells us that the seeds that fall in good soil represent the power of his teachings in our lives when we hear and understand and bear fruit. That doesn't mean that our attempts to live good and just and grace-filled lives are easy if only the seed falls into us at the right time and in the right place. Even in good soil, seedlings work hard to break through the crust of the earth, to sink roots deeply into dark soil, to navigate wind and rain and the fear of being plucked or eaten before fruit grows. There is nothing easy about that. The seed in the good soil is vulnerable throughout its life, but in its vulnerability, it gets to live fully. It is fed by the soil, fed by the farmer, and fed by creation, and it is a living sign of hope. And we are each invited to be gardens where that kind of miracle can take place. Where God's love can be alive in the world through our choices, actions, words, prayers, and relationships. And I think this is why Jesus spreads his gifts so widely and wildly and wastefully. His is not an economy of scarcity, but an economy of abundance. He will throw his love and his challenging lessons and his grace into every corner of your life. So that some will take and fill you with the life and love of God and fill our world with the fruits of our sacred endeavors to grow in Christ, to care for one another, to love one another, and to transform this world into the kingdom of God that it was always meant to be. Amen.